I said before, I'm kind of deep in this marking thing. I've just finished marking one module and I've just had another one coming in. And like I must say, I was um, surprised uh, at the at the way that assessment is uh, managed. Um, yeah, I, I guess I come from a system where things are far less structured. Um, far more is left up to the the what you would call a, a module lead. Um, so there's far less oversight uh, from a program lead um, and you kind of leave leave the lecturer to get on with it and they make their own decisions um, and a lot of times those decisions are ad hoc, fluid, um, responsive, adaptable um, and so like the idea that like right now I'm having to plan assessment tasks that are going to be locked in um, for something that is a year away um, so that that strikes me as very strange because I'm used to being in a situation where I adapt the assessment task in real time. So as as we're working through the module, things come up and then kind of the students and I negotiate the the assessment task um, so that it it feels like something that's more of a collaboration. Now, I'm not saying that like this is how everyone can do it. And, um, you know, I had one module, uh, you know, in my previous institution. And so there, there was a lot of flexibility um, with, that comes with that. I can appreciate that if you've got five modules, then you know planning and structure and organization becomes far more important. Um, like we can't all say, well, we'll figure it out as we go along. So I, I get that. I just, you know, when I came into this new system, and obviously it's not just this institution, but in the UK more broadly, it feels like, um, and, and maybe I'm reading the, the wrong thing I'm taking the wrong thing from this but it feels like there's far more of an attempt to control down to a very granular level what the assessment task is going to look like how it's going to run um you know how much instruction and guidance and and, and a framing is given to students so that there can be no surprise um and you know again maybe maybe that's a good thing um but I, I feel like the um, the the amount of attention that's paid to learning outcomes, grade boundaries, and forward planning, um, in in my opinion, in some sense, it really limits the um, the, the flexibility, the serendipity, um, and for me, the the interest, I guess, um, that that I used to feel with with assessment tasks. So I, I don't know. Like, does it sound? Like I've completely missed the point. Um, like, you know, what 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 are your thoughts on uh, on on the assessment process? Yeah, no. So I think it's really interesting. Um, you know, and, and was 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 just intrigued to hear, yeah, kind of your experience of of coming into. I I don't know a, a a different system, but even I mean, just moving between institutions within the UK, there there, there are differences with that. Um, but I can imagine that obviously they, those differences probably pale into significance compared to the differences between different country systems. So, and there's quite a lot in what you said there. Um, I was just figuring out how how to sort of un, un, unpack that. So you, you're talk, you're talking kind of this. It feel, feels like well, there's 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 the it's it's all about the oversight and the control and so it's like a um, feels like a more centralized control is that what you're saying yeah, um or at least a perception of that right like i don't know um that i guess that would be 
part of my question of how 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 much is that how much does the system actually achieve that or is there a lot of kind of work put into kind of creating the illusion of kind of control um but actually things still have to be a bit fluid at times anyway and then you just sort of retrofit them back into this kind of controlled looking box i i, I don't know if that happens sometimes um and the in terms of some of the I guess I, if you, I I hear what you're saying from your your perspective. Like it's I, I I've I, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not an organised person. So like feeling that I've that there's someone that is asking me to have you know set the, the exam question like eight months out from the exam feels like a totally um, anathema to kind of ha how I would ever work. Um, and I really struggle with that. But is that just you know that 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 it's me? So I guess. Uh, the first question that I sort of had coming through that is kind of what's your perception then of the student experience of those two things so like I, I think a lot of the the rationale behind and I think you sort of touched on this of of why that control is important is so that students are very clear you know from the moment that they enter a module like what the you know what the learning outcomes are and how those learning outcomes are going to be assessed is and that there's there's no sort of surprises at any point through that that process that feels like a an important thing that everybody would sort of agree is a really Im important thing um in in the uk in terms of the the structure the system would say this is a really important thing um and that, that but that actually extends further back so there's actually then a lot of kind of the stress often gets exerted just to make sure that kind of what's being presented through the the system bureaucracy um we're at Birmingham they're, they're switching over to a, a new kind of module handbook kind of system you know what I mean where students can search for and see so you've got students who are choosing modules and that it, so even before they go on the module like it's important that they'd know what the assessment for that module would sort of look like and, and be like so that they're making informed choices of that and students who are choosing to come on the course like at open days need to have clear and and kind of you know we're giving them information about what all this stuff looks like so I think a lot of this right is driven by the this the sort of the transactional nature of higher education here like students pay a lot of money for it and perceive that they are you know the, the perception is and and the reality is that they are consumers in a, in a, a marketized system right um and so if we're providing a, a poor consumer experience like that's a bad thing for the university and 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 the the so the the, the rationale is that you know uh, providing clarity and certainty and and no surprise is a gives students a better uh, well I guess this is the question that this is, I'm, I'm getting to a question there's not really a question here but is 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 the rationale that 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 is a better thing for the student experience and so like happy consumers because they've got something that they expected or is it like a covering your back thing that so there's not a there's no means to redress if the student then feels they have had a poor experience, but it was like, but we told that was the experience to begin with. So how much of this is kind of driven by a genuine, you know, desire to and belief that this is kind of what makes for a positive student experience and how much of it is kind of just trying to avoid potential litigation or something further down the down the track? I, I see those things as being tightly um, coupled. So the student experience and a um, kind of protectionism. Um, so we're going to make sure that everything is described in such clear terms down to such a granular level that you can never come back to us 
and say that we didn't deliver what we said we were going to deliver. So I think that those two things are, are tightly coupled. So the student experience linked to a, an aversion, a risk aversion from, from the institution. Um, like I would then like take it another step back and talk about student experience and say that like this is going to sound terrible, but I don't really, I don't feel like we need to be driven or that we should be driven by the student experience. I think that we should be driven entirely by student learning. Um, I, I think that when we talk about an experience, we start talking about things that um, are really broad and learning is one part of that thing. So students come and um, we, we provide you know, great facilities and they've got no cause for complaint, I guess. And then that translates to a satisfied experience. Um, and then we, we get our NSS scores, which um, I have concerns about. Um, because I, I do think that we're driven a lot by um, by, by those NSS scores. Um, and I think that a big part of what we do when we provide description down to the level that is required is being driven by a, an aversion to students potentially being dissatisfied. Um, now, if I if we if we shift the focus of attention to student learning, we can think of many different examples where you feel intensely uncomfortable where in the moment it feels very unsatisfying but which nonetheless in the long term make for a more powerful learning experience and so if we get to focus on short-term concerns around satisfaction well i know how to produce satisfied students i make sure that there are no surprises i make sure that there's no uncertainty and confusion and i make sure that um, everything that we're going to do is described down to the smallest detail and i know that that will produce satisfied students but um, does it sorry i'm cu i'm cutting across you there um did you want did you want to carry on that, that point before before i cut in there sorry i was just going to say like if you focus on learning you run a greater risk of having unsatisfied students because in the moment you're introducing them to these very uncomfortable, maybe a destabilizing, disorienting feeling. And I think that that should be the purpose of higher education is to put students intentionally into uncomfortable situations and then scaffolding a process whereby they can move through that uncomfortable experience and emerge with greater resilience. We talk about resilience a lot, and then we make sure that everything is described to such um, a, a clear level of detail that there is no opportunity to develop resilience or leadership or any of these other attributes, critical thinking. We say we think we say that we care about, and yet we don't really provide opportunities for students to develop resilience. We teach them about resilience. We say that this thing of resilience is really important. You should develop it, but you can only develop resilience by kind of going through this crucible that is uncomfortable. Um, how else do you de de develop resilience? Um, and so I feel like we tell students about leadership, critical thinking, resilience, and all these other attributes that we say we care about. But in describing the assessment process and the, and the learning process to the degree that we do, I feel like we limit the opportunities for students to develop the, the skills that we say that we, we care about. That, does that make sense? Yeah, it, it it absolutely does. I, I think that the, the 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 point I was I was sort of c c cutting in on there was, a, a, you know, just whether or not actually 
trying to constrain and control all these things does result in more satisfied students because I think it particularly and if we take maybe it depends what we mean by satisfied but if we take like kind of what what drives NSS scores around assessment you know an assessment is often you know there's a really clear link between assessment and overall um overall satisfaction and I think look I think often students have some genuinely um valid like reasons to feel upset about their assessment you, you know that that they the because the, assessment isn't you know often isn't that great at, at university really in terms of how much it actually aligns with kind of what the student needs needs to know and the sort of learning that you're talking about often feedback you know isn't that individualized or rich you know and the, and students don't have opportunities to then do anything with that because it comes at the end of a summative process and there's no clear link into how they, they take it forward so I think you know, you can look at it as an academic and go, well, I'd, I'd understand why our assessment scores might come out quite low. Although actually then when you talk to the students about it, you know, often the reason that the satisfaction around around assessment is low is that, you, you know, they they just feel hard done by on the mark that they got, right? <laughs> you know, um, and so, so much of this is underpinned by actually, what is, is it, sati do, do you mean you're satisfied with the mark you received or with, the learning, the process, the you know the the assessment or, or whatever that kind of got got there, and obviously there's a whole range of you know students are going to be able, be answering that question in a number of, of different ways, um, but we've got to understand that that question ha has has a a lot of different interpretations in how students will will answer it, you know, and students when you know if you have these conversations with students they that they are able to separate and they are able to kind of acknowledge that their frustrations with like the amount of feedback they've got or the timeliness of it or whatever melt away when they've given when they've received a, a grade a mark that they're, they're, they're happy with you, you know and, and the, the the chance of them flagging those as, as, as an issue or, or, or commenting negatively about them on the NSS or whatever just drop drops right down um so coming back to this kind of the control element of it I think the concern that I have sometimes is that we we the, the more control and support and structure and everything like that that we then provide the, the student feels like they have understood it all and that the, so therefore the assessment should be kind of easy because like well I, th I think I did everything that you you kind of gave to me here um and then it can be quite difficult to have a conversation where you kind of go well yeah like yeah, you, you gave me back some of the stuff that I sort of presented there but but really, you know, if if where you're wanting to go is is into the the, the higher grade grade band, you know, if we think about what what where would I actually want you to get to on on this, like I was looking for more than that actually, and and kind of that more isn't isn't the isn't the thing or shouldn't be I don't think the thing that we can constrain and control exactly right because it should be it should be something in addition it should be some, the thing that makes you go like oh yeah like I genuinely I'm surprised that you've come at it that way or that's not a way I've thought about this before you, you know the the this the sort of the, if, if the 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 ability for surprise and innovation and you know cr criticality of thought creativity within what a student produced those should be the things I, I strongly think that that really set aside like the higher performing students from you know the the sort of standard performing student who's who's understood the concepts and you know kind of been able to do the the the, the sort of the basics of what the assessment is, is is asking you know but hasn't necessarily taken another step in thing in thought that's gone beyond that so then they, so we've got a conundrum then isn't it that 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 we we sort of 
you know without sounding like some like <laughs> kind of um right wing oh they're all they're all snowflakes kind of person um but <laughs> that that you, we we can we probably can mollycoddle too much and provide you know the the kind of the, the the look and feel of something that is is all structured and laid out and sort of kind of clear what you should do but then in that that we then you need to have more than that and, and i think this feed, fits in feeds into this whole the, you know the issue with sort of grade inflation that, that as academics we sort of feel that now we need to have laid out everything and so it's work it's it's it, it's not possible for us to ask students to do more than we would have already sort of explained that they could do and so kind of the the only marks that are there the you know the, the only criteria upon which we can sort of judge someone's performance is you know within this tightly constrained box that we've already predetermined and um, and so we sort of limit that and it what and as you say what ends up is it feels less feels less less rich or less you know has less possibility in it i think than than assessment might otherwise do and, and i and i'm not sure that those things really feed into satisfaction i think that you know what you end up with is is you know students feeling really quite un, unsure and, and and anxious that that they that that they seem to have done the same you know pretty much the same as other people and they seem to have done kind of what was asked of them um and we've not developed in them an ability to think beyond that and to sort of think how that how this could go further um and so they end up feeling less satisfied by by a process because they're they're kind of niggling about the you know the the one or two percent either way on on something really quite minor and as academics we do that you know then if if what we're doing is and that comes to that actual point about assessing about grade back if if we're kind of having discussions back for well i'd have oh, i thought that might have maybe given that a 67 you've given it a 66 like oh, i don't know which of those is is right like you, you know th these are th this is a ridiculous conversation obviously for anyone to ever have you know but we do that all the time and the students must have a sense of that and they're doing it all the time with the, with the, each other but what we're doing is we're like we're, it's so insular isn't it it's so like it's so inward looking and like navel gazing at just kind of rearranging the, the the little intricacies of something that's already fully con constrained rather than kind of going like there's there's probably more possibility here like what you know how, how do we get, get outside of, of this yeah, I think that there's there's two two things that you two points that you made while you were talking that I, I really wanted to touch on. The first uh, was at the end where you talked about um, the the amount of time that we spend talking about you know niggling over those little details that you know really are um, are insignificant or irrelevant, um, absurd maybe. Um, but I think when we describe the assignments and the rubrics to the extent that we do, it creates within students an understanding, um, or, or rather the signal that we send is that there is an objective reality that this is what good looks like. And when we describe it in such clear and, um, uh, I guess, comprehensive terms, the reality is that that is an objective description of what good looks like. And so when the student, this kind of touches on something else that you mentioned earlier, when the student ticks all the boxes in a certain grade boundary, um, but they haven't done what you were suggesting, they haven't added that extra, that innovation, that creativity, that little spark where you think, ah, this, this elevates your work into a higher category. But we can't describe that because it's a qualitative thing that, you know, we may not necessarily even know that we're looking for, but we see a work that a piece of work that is exceptional and we know that it has something different that separates it from work that is merely adequate um, and yet on on the rubric they both seem to 
satisfy the same criteria because there are only certain certain things that we can describe um, with our language. It's hard to describe that ineffable thing that adds something that that elevates a, a piece of work. So now the student comes back and says, but I met all of your requirements in this grade boundary and you've given me something that's lower than this. Because we've created this sense that there's an objective truth about what a good piece of work looks like. And when they tick all the boxes and you haven't put them into that category, then I think there's an enormous amount of dissatisfaction. And I think our response is then to say, okay, well, I'll create a rubric that's more descriptive and has more conditions. Um, and so it becomes almost like an arms race where students are looking at what it is that we need to, we're telling them to provide, then they provide it. And then we say, no, but it's not quite, you know, exceptional. Okay, well then tell me what exceptional looks like. And then we go through this process again, where we provide more descriptive language to say what dis what exceptional looks like. And then the students go through that process again. And maybe, maybe it's not fair because I've only been here for a year and this is my first kind of process, um, you know, going through the, uh, going through the assessments and the marking. But I don't see any, um, I don't see any way out of this situation other than every year students asking for more structure, more guidance, more detail about what it is that we want, which then further limits the capacity for innovation and creativity. And again, coming back to this idea of what universities say they care about, we say that we want to develop these attributes, you know, leadership, creativity, resilience. Well, it's really hard to write those attributes into our um, marking rubrics. Um, and if we did find a way to do that, we'd have students then following a tick box about what resilience looks like. And they'll say, oh, but I, I ticked all these, all the resilience, um, you know, tick boxes. Um, but, you know, I, I still haven't got my, you know, I don't know what they're, a first or a second or, I don't know. So, yeah, that, that's, I guess that's that's where I'm um, coming down on. And and I think the the challenge then the the more the more you, the the more tick boxy you end up within the the uh, the, um, uh, the rubric or you know the the marking criteria that you're using, you then have the case where you've got a bit of work that is like is really insightful and does add something different, but like has a minor omission on something else right and so so we, we end up just collapsing everything into well we're just kind of everyone the same because like oh on the rubric like i don't know did they really do th this one it's like oh clearly this is a this is a, a academically this is like a, a, a this work has criticality and it's creative and it's it's done this this and this you know has it done like <laughs> every thing of these every one of these other things uh, i don't know like may, maybe it hasn't actually you know and and so which is the important thing here? Are, are we going for that? Are we looking for that academic spark and we trying to reward that or are we trying to reward kind of the the, the box ticking nature? You know, obviously there's a, you know, I, I think I was having this, this conversation with um, with students that, you know, we, we, we sort of blithely ch ch chuck out or, ch or try and chuck out, try and have an ethos of like, well, there's, there's not one correct answer. You know, there's there's loads of correct ways. You, you know, you, you kind of want you want to you want to feel like you write assignments where that's that's the case, you know, and, and that you could take this in any way. Um, and the and the flip but the flip side to that is that there there is a there is a wrong way to do this. Um, so that it's kind of also getting students to see that there's there's like there's there's a there's a baseline that we need everyone to be over like if you if you write something that just shows you don't you don't really understand the content you know you're, you're applying it incorrectly you you, you you know whatever like that 
that that's the cutoff to say you know this you haven't that the, you've not learned stuff from the module that means that you've sort of met the learning outcomes for the module and that, and really that's that's a black or white thing it's a it's a, it, it's happened or, or, or it hasn't you know and, and that's the cutoff to pass then beyond that like you've you've passed the module you've met the learning outcomes um but maybe you you're different in different way I, I don't know like what then what's the purpose what's the purpose of the the mark that we give be, be, beyond that i mean that i guess that's that's going to be the bias that i come at this from that the the, the mark the marks are really problematic <laughs> yeah the marks are the, the marks cause you know a lot of the strife a lot of the the anxiety a lot of the the stress for the students they add you know administrative burdens they they add un, undoubtedly to the the academic kind of administration of all of these things because in in terms you know in in trying to offer flexibility which you often need to do because of the circumstances that students have going through the, the assessment there's then a much tighter focus on what's what's fair and equitable um you know because it's it's competitive in some way like although it shouldn't it shouldn't be competitive it's not competitive but if one person feels they've had an unfair advantage that may have resulted in them getting a mark more than someone else like why didn't the other person have that potential to get the mark but it's mark focus it's not like that they've had an opportunity to learn more <laughs> than someone else it's it's kind of what the the output of, of that looks like so all of this then feeds into i think dis dissatisfaction you know just really for for staff and and for 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 students and so with any of these conversations i just circle back around to you know it, the, the the marks are are a big part of the problem um because it's the, it's in our justification of the marks and covering our backs on that we're providing the the, the, the marks that we exhaust a lot of, of of energy unnecessarily and that drives the, the the students poor experience and anxiety around all of this stuff but how you know like how do we get how do we move away from from that right the this the system demands i was interested so to tell me about in in south africa because Obviously, we you you just you, you sort of touched on this right at the end of saying our first or, or a second. So obviously, we in in the UK there's these you know de degree classifications that you know feel historically have felt important. Um, I think the evidence is that actually they're increasingly not that important in terms of 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 you know what what graduate employers and, and people look for in jobs. But um, is that the, it, does the system look the same in South Africa and elsewhere? Uh, and you know is is a a placing relative to other people in terms of of what you do we get is is that a universal important thing in in higher education yeah i think i'll um, touch on uh, the, the second part that you said first just with the um employers in the uk um I've, I've seen some research where they're increasingly employers are dissatisfied with uh, graduates ability to do things so they come out with a first or second or whatever that great category is and they get employed on the basis of that like category and yet the employer is saying but you're unable to do the things that i hired you to do you don't have the leadership skills um you know that so there's the students are able to demonstrate that they meet all of our learning outcomes uh, we tick all the boxes we give them a first they graduate and then they're unable to do the job for which they were employed um, and i think that this is more broad than you know things that we would maybe be more familiar with like physiotherapy nursing occupational therapy um i i think we can be fairly confident that someone who graduates is able to at a basic level um, be deemed minimally competent um, as a as a physiotherapist, for example. But I think there are other areas where universities are graduating students who have ostensibly satisfied all the learning outcomes, and yet their employers 
um, are unhappy with their performance. So I don't think that there's a strong connection between learning and grade boundaries. Um, I think that the, the whole thing is an artificial kind of facade and some might say farce um, where we spend an enormous amount of effort trying to make things look like the students have learned a lot. Um, but I would say that the only thing that really matters is can the student do the job? And so then our learning outcomes, I think, would need to change to be more reflective of that capacity and, and maybe competence to, to do the job, um, rather than the kinds of things that we may tend to assess, like your ability to remember lots of facts. Um, so I, I, I think that the I agree. I think employers are increasingly unsatisfied with what students or what graduates are able to do um, after they leave the university. Um, back home, the we obviously have rankings um, for for students, just in the sense that you know some students achieve the highest mark, some students achieve the lowest mark, and the way that that's presented is usually in a in a ranked order. Um, we don't have grade boundaries in the same sense that you do. So you can graduate um, uh, cum laude or summa cum laude. Um, so uh, cum laude is where in that year level you've achieved above a certain mark for all of your subjects. Summa cum laude is where you've achieved um, above a certain mark for every subject every year that you were in the, in the university. And I think it's 75%. Um, so that's the only kind of distinction that we have when you graduate. So when you, when you graduate, and you apply for a job, I think if you were, if you graduated summa cum laude, an employer looks at that and says, okay, you're really good at studying. Like, well done, we, we recognize that. But that's kind of it. Um, your ability to get a job is not really tightly linked to your, um, uh, to, to, that, um, to that category, that distinction. Um, and so if you're applying for a job and you got 60% and I'm applying for a job and I got 80%, it doesn't really matter. Employers will hire whoever interviews well. Um, now, it, it may be that people who score high on our assessment tasks are also the kind of people who interview well um, because of background, privilege, you know, personal experiences, social situations that you're exposed to. Um, so I, I think that it, it is probably true that people who interview well are the same people who get 80% and above. But there's nothing inherent in that process. It's not like the university has done well in, in linking those things. Um, we don't do any interview preparation with our students. Um, but the way that universities are set up um, happens to privilege the students who are in the right kinds of social circumstances. I say right in, in quotation marks, obviously. Um, they've had certain kind of privileged experiences growing up. Um, and they also know how the system works. They know how the game works and they know how to learn well. They know how to pass the kinds of assessments that we give to those kinds of students. Um, so back home, we have distinctions and everyone else. And in each year level, there may be one or two people who get um, summa, who get cum laude, and like maybe once every year or two in your program, you might have someone who gets summa cum laude. Um, it's a distinction that matters um, in the sense that it's very rare. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. And and do you think that that you know, d does that then, but does that reduce any of the student uh, stress and anxiety around marks, you know, or do students still get just as tied up on what their mark is, um, even if kind of there's not this perceived importance to to be getting a first or whatever? 
I, I don't recall having as much concern among students about the mark that they get um, as compared to here. Like in the module that I just finished marking, um, students have a lot of questions about what grade category they're going to be put into um, because I think that there's a lot of um, there's a belief that 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 is going to be linked to their ability to get a job when they graduate. And and I don't know enough to say whether or not that's true. Um, but yeah, the, the students here, in my very limited experience, have been far more concerned about the grade boundary and then linking it back to the learning outcomes and the descriptors that we give for the um, like the assessment briefs. Um, there's very much a sense of in, in my conversations with students was like I didn't give a word count as an example um, and there was almost an, an a compulsive focus on the number of words that the student needs to write and I kept on saying to them like it's it's irrelevant um, because some of you will be able to articulate the like what I need to make a decision about your understanding of the content. Some of you will be able to do that in a thousand words. Some of you, I might give 5,000 words and you still won't be able to do it. Um, but we've conditioned them to believe that if they meet that criterion of writing 2,200 words, then that's one step closer to getting into a higher grade boundary because that's one condition that they've met. Um, and yet, we, like it's a completely artificial constraint and it's got nothing to do with understanding, learning, anything like that. If anything, it's got more to do with how much time we think we have to mark all the assessments. So in, in trying to have this conversation with students, I could feel them becoming more and more frustrated because they didn't care about anything that I was saying. They wanted a number that they could that they could target and then kind of multiply that out to all the other conditions in the assessment task. You know, like what length title should it be? And, you know, just down to the, the, the kind of smallest level of detail, wanting to know, basically, just tell me the boxes that I need to tick in order to get this grade category. That That's all that you need to do. Like, don't talk to me about learning. I'm not interested. Um, Which I thought was interesting. If you focus on the learning, I think all the other things come for the right. Um, but if you focus on all the other things, I think it's too easy to to miss out on the learning. Yeah, it's interesting. The, the assessment that has, has just come in for, for some of my students. So the, there's a uh, it's a kind of case um, case study that they, they answers various parts of a, of a sort of written written assignment on this. And for half of it, we say you, you don't need to reference this at, at, at all. It's it's you're trying to analyze um, the um, the movement that you can see in this patient uh, clip, uh, and and then come up with you know some some rationale for why that's there, and and you know it's just really interesting the questions that uh, that students have come to you like but if I'm not referencing it how how are you going to know you know that like where that's come from and that I've 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 understood it and I'm, well because like what you write is going to make sense or or not make sense and I'm I'm working on the basis that before the module. You know for many of you like this would have been really hard to to do and and so the the module learning out you know if if you've learned some stuff on, on the module hopefully you're able to kind of go i can see this thing happening when this person moves and a potential reason for that might be because of this and this and it, you don't need that's not about you don't need to you could find references to, to to do that but that that wouldn't 
actually in this case be a particularly good use of your time because this is about kind of your your ability to connect things together and 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 think about how you do that you know and again the, you know coming back to what you're saying there the, the we, there, there is a, a word count on on this and it and it's quite tight you know and, and we often have those conversations about but how how you know how can i how can i do more how can i get more of this stuff in and it's that sense of actually it's not what i'm not looking for is is for more it's about how, how you're pulling together the stuff that you you know the more the the more depth you can put into a very short space is is the is the challenge here like this this is the academic thing that you're trying to do is to synthesize integrate like a number of different things concisely in a way that sheds like greater insight onto a problem than you could otherwise do <laughs> like I, I don't know how to tell you that differently because like that yeah that's that's hard that is hard to do you know and so for most of you you will shine some insight onto it you know and will miss some bits and you know given the constraints of like how you're doing it you'll have you you, you might not make the optimal choices about like which bits you include and how you combine them together in a way that you know could kind of do this but you'll have done absolutely fine you know and for a small number of people they will do it in such a way that like you know does bring in just slightly more and 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 those are the high, the higher marks but you know the marks don't matter like i, I we're not I'm, i don't want to put too much emphasis on 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 the, those things anyway so let's you know let's just focus on on are, are you all you know have you all achieved something you know this is what the, the module set out to to do have we, we we kind of got there but just just those things again of like but but how will you know that i've not plagiarized this right what or i and, and often students ask you the question like that like how how will i know i've not plagiarized it i'm like well no 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 like if like if you copy if you just copy something else from somewhere else and put it in there like I, I can see that you've done that like it you know a the software will tell me but also like I'll just kind of read it and go I don't know that doesn't sound like you know how it would be written and you know my spidey sense will tingle and, I, and, and I'll probably go off and have a look and see where, where, where that's come from but but what like why are you concerned about that 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 seems a really odd kind of concerns come back to me with of like how, wh why are you not letting me prove that i'm not plagiarizing my my, my work <laughs> right that's an interesting point about citation um so uh like uh, i don't do this but i've had conversations with colleagues both in this university and in others ab about like formatting of citations and i find this quite bizarre so what i'm looking for in a citation is your ability to support a claim about the world with some kind of evidence. And sometimes that evidence looks like a peer reviewed paper. Sometimes it looks like a YouTube video. Sometimes it looks like a tweet. And I try to work with students and say, well, a tweet from me about blended learning may be something that you should pay attention to. Um, an academic paper from someone else about blended learning, maybe that's something you should pay attention to, but maybe it's not, maybe it's bullshit. Um, and like trying to get students to understand that like authority and credibility um they, they are weighed differently um depending on who the person is and their history and and your level of trust and there's all these different um social norms and um instrumental mechanisms that we can use to say whether or not we should trust a piece of content they're not interested in that conversation they're interested to know like how come you say we can use youtube as a source and other lecturers say we're not allowed to and if we do it with you um, are you going to punish us? Like they're looking for some kind of a like. Yeah, this is like a trick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a trick. Um, and when I explain it in those terms, like when I try to talk about authority and credibility and trust and, and all these sorts of things, 
it, it's not really a conversation that they're interested in having. They want to know, like, why do you say it's okay? And they say it's not. You can't both be right. Um, and so with, with citation, I say to students, um, I'm looking for four things. I'm looking for a creator, a title, a date, and a place. Um, and if you can satisfy those four criteria, I can find the source of your claims about the world. Um, whether you put the comma in the right place is completely irrelevant. And the reason it's irrelevant <clears throat> is because you can use reference management software to perfectly format all of your references. Now, I'm going to give you 10 marks out of 100 because you know how to use reference management software and someone else doesn't. That doesn't really seem like a good thing to reward you for. I should be looking at the quality of your sources rather than the formatting of, of the citation style. Um, and so that, that's also been a, a weird conversation with, with students where I've tried to get them to use reference management software because you will instantly score 100% for all of the things related to citation. Um, and yet not a single student in my module used reference management software. Um, they, they decided that they would wing it. Um, and I, I still didn't I didn't take away marks if the if the references were poorly formatted. <clears throat> but like I would say to them, if you can't pay attention to the things where you literally have an instruction manual telling you exactly how to reference, I'm not going to take take off marks for that. But it does make me wonder about your ability to follow other kinds of instructions. And then I might start reading your work a little bit more closely. Um, and again, that's not really a conversation that they were interested in having. And, and so again, just in my very limited experience, it has all, all been about like, where is your assessment brief and where does it tell me exactly what I need to do in order to reach these these um, grade boundaries? I was just, I was um, I was just put, pausing there. I, I, I'm kind of uh, just I I guess interested to know which, which we sort of started talking more administratively maybe and kind of it feels like we've talked more than about sort of um students perception on 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 assessment and and so far so just i, I didn't know if, if you wanted to come back to sort of any of the the, the sort of the, the more organizational institutional things that that might have seemed uh strange wrong-headed um problematic <laughs> Like for me, I would really rather than describe it, I, I, I guess where I'm heading towards is trying to develop within students what I would call assessment literacy, um, where us, the students and I have a negotiated understanding of what this process is trying to achieve and that there's going to be uncertainty within that negotiation. So rather than me deciding upfront a year in advance what your assessment task is going to look like, where I describe in an enormous amount of detail what it is that you need to do in order to meet these criteria that, that we describe on, on the other side of the, the assessment brief. How can we have a conversation where we decide what assessment, what is the purpose of assessment? What is the purpose of assessment in this discipline, in this module? What are the kinds of things that we're trying to learn? And how do we design an assessment task that demonstrates that you've learned these things that we agree are important? And so I think, in, in my opinion, that leads to a student who is better prepared for reality um, and, and for me, a more interesting assessment task um, that, I have to, that I have to mark. And so I'm wondering, like, what, does that seem reasonable or does that seem like I'm, I'm missing the point? So taking this idea of assessment literacy and recognizing that it's something that 
I work on with students and we come to a shared understanding of this process rather than me deciding this is what we're going to do and you just need to learn how to follow instructions. It's interesting because I think that your that your conception of assessment literacy there is is for students to understand the the purpose of assessment at that level and I think maybe often when we think about assessment literacy we think we think more about the student's ability to understand what we're asking of them in the assessment. Uh, does that make sense that there's sort of two two levels there that actually, but, and we, we want to be at, at what you're you're talking about there, which is kind of uh, for the students to understand the learning and then to, for there to be some agreement on kind of how we might try to assess that 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 learning. So that has to be the way forward. That is really challenging. So this year is the first um First time I've done sort of co-created rubrics um, with students on um, a module, uh, not, not entirely from a blank sheet, but from a, a sort of um, generic school level. This is a master's level rubric that sort of, you know, so we kept the the, the titles and, and the, you know, the things, but kind of got the students to then, you know, we talked about the assignment, what we were trying to achieve, what the students thought that made that made sense of what I thought I was looking for there, kind of what, you know, it, how it might have gone in the past and then sort of rewrote all of all of the the, um, the, the, the rubric to do that. And I think what we ended up with then was a much, so in previous years, we've just used the generic rubric to market. Um, and so that felt like a really, really, you know, good useful process it didn't involve all the students in the cohort so it was like a self-selected opt-in group of, of students who were, were interested to, to kind of do it I think they got you know some, really something out of it and I could see the benefit so we're going to roll it out next year across all modules and all assessments so that hopefully all students have some opportunity to be involved at some point so hopefully it's building everyone's assessment literacy up in in the cohort I think that's a really positive thing to do there were though some negative comments from other students in the cohort that like but I didn't get them I didn't get the marking rubric until like two weeks before the assessment hand in um which is true because like I needed time in the module to kind of have got here to have introduced it to then get the students together we met a, a couple of times so once to like look at it and talk about what the assessment involved and then like a, go away think about it for a week come back a week later like draft out the thing you know write that get it out there for two assessments that happened at different different points so like it you know it's a, it it's a, like additional time and work for everyone to do it would be much easier for me just to go we're going to use this generic ruby that already exists and I can put that up from week one like so again it's like if we if we want to constrain stuff what we end up with is a a, a less bespoke like certainly less student involved you know thing um and and that that might be poor but you know, th there's 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 kind of challenge there with that, I think. But but it, it certainly showed to me, I think, the the benefit of what you were talking about there of of kind of student assessment literacy. But it but you know, I think institutionally, like if a student came back and said, like, well, I'm going to challenge my mark here because um, I, I wasn't aware of of how this assignment was being marked until you know uh, only two weeks or whatever it was before the, the the sort of hand in and so I didn't have time to really you know get my head around that and, and, and work it then I think the institution would would like hold me accountable for that and say well you, you know it's quite clear that you should have produced this stuff before the module started you know so how how do we reconcile those two things I, I guess I, I mean that's a, a great point you're right uh, the, the later we leave things in the process which by necessity we would have to do if it's going to be this negotiated outcome um, the more risk there is for the institution um, because of the fact that students might may feel ambushed um, so I, I think what what I would the way that I would frame it in a conversation with the institution would be to say that like 
what I'm suggesting, the learning drives the assessment, not the other way around. So if we start with the assessment tasks predefined and the rubrics predefined, and all of this is locked in a year in advance, then we are being driven by the assessment task. We're not being driven by the learning. If we're going to say that we're dri being driven by the learning, we need time for students to learn something in order for us to even have a conversation about what that assessment of the learning might look like. And so I would then challenge the institution to say, here are five things that you talk about in your institutional documentation. What I'm doing is trying to bring these things to fruition. I'm trying to develop in students a sense of critical thinking, of being interested in learning, of um, this idea of resilience, curiosity, um, all of these things. I can show you how we've embedded the achievement of these outcomes within this process. Um, I think that institutions have really nice language in their institutional operating plans, um, but ask them to demonstrate where these things are actually being achieved in the curriculum, and it's very difficult. You can point your finger on a lecture that talks about leadership, um, but at no point in the program do you give students an opportunity to take a leadership role, um, to make real decisions that have impact in the world, that have impact on their own learning. Um, and so I would then say, if we want students to learn the skills of decision-making, um, high-stakes decision-making, we need to give them opportunities to make high-stakes decisions. Assessment is a high-stakes decision. Um, what we're going to assess, what the assessment task looks like. These are decisions that have real consequences in the real world. What I'm describing is a process that makes that real. Um, and, and then I would try to have that conversation to say, like, let's look at all the things that you say that you value, and you tell me how I'm supposed to do that other than what I'm suggesting. It's it's very it is very difficult, I think, just to just to to reconcile, as you say, the 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 sort of the the, the loftier ambitions, <laughs> um, you know, which are, you know, always right. Yeah. And, you know, and and and, and when, you know, when you, you come together with academics and you're talking about, you know, like innovating for assessment and you know, like like all the there's this sort of discussion about um um generative AI and and kind of you know the 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 way to approach this is is to you know to 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 change assessment and you know to integrate and students can learn about this thing you know but and that sounds great you know but but actually you know for most most people's experience of that is that that's really hard to do in the short term and kind of how that the, that it's it's hard it's challenging to kind of explain then to students where 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 we're drawing the boundaries on this it's it you can have a very a very good theoretical conversation um but it it actually that everything about the system everything that we've talked about so far kind of then comes back to but but in this concrete specific example here you know can we take this sort of you know more vague ambitious kind of ideal that we've got there um but it, actually when it comes down to it is is are you going to you know how how are you going to judge that in this context you know because the students want to be judged and be given a mark for that the institution is still going to ask us for marks based on the judgment that we've made there and and you know and wants those to be in a, in the same format and the same way to feed into you know this the system that that kind of requires that um and 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 so there's there's no way out of it other than having to kind of make 
make decisions make judgments you know like uh, and uh, and as you, as you said before kind of end up with kind of increasingly complicated ways of sort of boxing well you can do this but you can't do that and this should be like this and this should be here and there's some clear guidance that says you know what you what you can and can't and can't do there um and all of it is quite stifling then or or certainly that can feel quite stifling i think yeah um no, I agree. Like there's there's the abstract conversation, and then there's the practical implementation. Which at an institutional level, you obviously want there to be as few surprises as possible, and you want that whole process to be structured and 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 quite rigid. But and and I'm okay with that. But then change the language in your institutional operating plan, um, because in in my opinion, those two things are often mutually exclusive. Um, and so like. Let's stop talking about students as our learning partners. Um, you know, like let's remove all of that language and not pretend that we care about students as learning partners. Because if we care about students as learning partners, then we need to create a curriculum and a curriculum process that allows our partners in learning to contribute, to make decisions that have real world consequences. Um, and if we don't allow that, then we're not treating our students as partners in learning. Um, and so I think I think these two things probably are mutually exclusive, but then let's be transparent and open about what we really value. Um, if we really value, you know, the our students passing assessments um, that are very tightly controlled, um, then that, that's fine. But then let's not talk about creativity, because the more tightly we control the assessment process, the less room there is for creation and innovation. If we value creativity and innovation, well, then we need less structured, less bounded, um, more uncertainty in our assessment tasks. Like those two things, I think, are mutually exclusive. Um, so let's let's at least be honest about what we about what we say that we value. I think it, it's been really useful for me to think out loud about the the the, the assessment process and how it's different to my expectations. Um, and I think some of the things that you've mentioned, uh, you know, I definitely need to go back and, and reflect on um, and maybe take a less militant stance um, on, you know, the way that I think about assessment. Um, I do I do think that there are challenges at the institutional level which are very different and understandable um, when we move to that level rather than looking at the individual lecturer. Um, yeah. Yeah, and but I, and I think that the you know the, the the challenge is that those institutional levels don't exist. Those institutional things don't exist in a vacuum. It's a societal thing, you know. And so that that's where this what the students come in with an expectation of, and you know if if we genuinely want to change that, that has to be a you know that has to be from day one. It's got to be integral to the entire program that the the students are on and. You know, at the risk of going off on 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 a different tangent here, but but I think so. You know, off often we, you know, if if there is any academic making efforts to sort of you know, kind of th think about some of these things that we've we've talked about, where it ends up coming in is in one module or or one place or something. You know, towards the end of the the, the degree, when it's like, okay, we've well, learned all this the content stuff, and now like we'll be a bit more kind of 
um, woolly and, and critical and stuff at, at, at this point. I, I just don't think you can do that. I, th I think by that point, you know, then the 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 institutionalization of 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 the, the student in what their expectations are are all set. Um, you know, and it, and it looks very similar to what they've experienced, you know, through their their school life and, and academic life up until that point. It it ha there has to be a if if we want it to be different, it has to be significantly different right from the start of year one. Um, and that will be very uncomfortable for students to come into, you know, so we shouldn't underestimate like the, the difficulty, the, the challenge of, of what we're asking there. If we, you, you know, it's it's also, it's okay for us, you know, who've sort of gone through it and come out the other end and, and maybe gone through it a couple of times, you know, with postgraduate study and, and other things and, and kind of be at a point where where we are, are really comfortable critiquing it and discussing it and seeing the flaws you know but um you know again that's for the students that they're, they're not buying into a flawed system at the start you know they're they're buying into you know a a a really you know a a a, a good strong system that is really going to move them forward in in their life um you know and and so kind of we've we've always got to be cognizant of, of that I, I i think but it makes it really really hard to see where you can change this um rather than just reinforcing and kind of doubling down on all of the things that that make it there in the first place that's a good point to wrap good conversation and i, I definitely feel like this is something we'll come back to at some point yeah of course thanks <laughs>